0: Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Pouring a little sugar on the old MK in the name of love. It is Wednesday, January... uh, I don't know where we're at right now. Uh, 20th, how about that? 2021 in the year of our Lord here. And uh, this is morning combat, maybe even a special early evening combat edition. As we come on here, reacting, of course, to the just in the books UFC Fight Night card. Little late morning, afternoon action from Abu Dhabi. My name is Brian Campbell, CBS Sports Showtime. You know all the you know my you know my resume, right? I don't have to pull the sword. The big ass beige one right here. No, that is not Luke Thomas next to me, guys. He's in the air, he's in flight right now, coming up northeast area. We got a lot of good business this weekend. Showtime boxing's back. Conor McGregor's back, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome BC here. Luke Knott in his place, the one and only, former UFC champion, a Hall of Famer, always sweet, never sour, a tower of ayahuasca power, Sugar, Rashad Evans. I always get a little extra fired up when you're sitting next to me on this one, brother.
1: BC, I love sitting next to you, brother. I'm glad to be back, man. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: I oh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, so look, you know, if you hate Luke Thomas, this is your show right now. And if you, <laughs> and if you love Michael Chiesa, it might be yours as well. Before we break down the action from UFC fight night, before we look ahead and get Rashad's picks for Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier part de this weekend. Uh, why don't you do us a little bit of solid here and uh, like the video, subscribe to what we're doing here on uh, good old MK nation morning combat in your face hole, right? Coming for your sensibilities, for your soul. Uh, MK all day, nearly every day, so keep piling on those statistics for us. We're also going to make Rashad spin that wheel of death later in the show, so you're not going to want to miss that high and tight indeed. Uh, if you like morning combat, by the way, why don't you uh, tell your friends by wearing it? If you employ Rashad Evans, why don't you send him some MK merch in the mail? Uh, Showtime and CBS already, okay? Can the guy can the guy? Can the guy parade around in it, too? Well, you can go over to store.show.com if you live in the lower 48. Pick up some of this great merch. Buy yourself a Tumblr. Wow. All over the place here, in BC. Uh, that's what we're going to do there. Also, you want 33 days of Showtime. Now is the time to get in on this. Go to Showtime.com. Showtime Championship Boxing is back this weekend. There's going to be some big fights coming up in the near future announced. You got uh, you know, the Comedy Store, Doc. You got a lot of good stuff going on there, so check that out. Put all the ads in the book, all the business behind us. Let's get into the business of doing what Rashad does best, breaking down fights. This was stop number two on the three cards in eight nights maybe eight mornings in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island, Yaz Island, headlined by some welterweights, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny, your late replacement, of course, for Chimaev and Edwards. But Rashad, this was a top 10 welterweight matchup. We needed to see just the same. Both guys coming in with a three-fight win streak, but in the end, it was Mike the Maverick doing what he does best, which is taking Neil Magny down and laying all kinds of all over him for five rounds. Unanimous decision. Let's hit it right there. What'd you love about this performance?
1: Well, I love the smothering style, you know, that that kind of grappling that he did. It's a very suffocating style. And, you know, he was trying to be deadly in there, landing some clean elbows and landing some clean shots when he did. But, you know, he just wasn't able to... Narrow, I guess, hold uh, kneel down long enough to be able to do that. But I mean, when it comes to just to transition of grappling game and the pressure that he put on tops, he really made a case for himself. Looking at those top guys in weight class, those top heavy dominant grappling guys in weight class, and show that he definitely belongs in the conversation with those guys. And and it looks to me, honestly speaking, that you know he has a pretty good uh, claim to, to to be a problem in that weight class. I mean, you know, you look at that weight class, you look at how it's just dominated by the by like the upper echelon grapplers, you know, the top guys in the weight class are grappling bass, wrestling bass, and Michael Chiesa fits right in there. One thing I was very impressed with as well was his stand-up ability. You know, he didn't really do too much with the stand-up, but what he did do was, he was able to nullify Neil Magny, who's got some pretty good stand-up. Now that's a pretty big deal. And he was also able to use that stand-up to transition, to get in the good grappling positions, to utilize the clinch positions, and dominate on the ground. So. Great fight, and on the stretch, too. Down the stretch, the fourth and fifth round, the championship rounds, the harder rounds, the rounds that he's never been in, he looked phenomenal being able to close out the show. Great job for uh, Michael Chiesa.
0: Yeah, this was a heck of a statement toward the idea of is this guy an in-betweener, or is he a legitimate title contender? He's probably going to move into the top five with this win. Certainly going to be looking for a top five opponent. We'll get to his call-out in a second. But look, he showed you championship-level stamina as you sh- as you talked about using that ragdoll style for five rounds. I like, Rashad, what he said to me coming in on Morning Combat, which is basically, look, um, people don't think I can strike because I don't use it. I can definitely strike, but I don't think he showcases striking in this one necessarily f- to do damage. It was more to set up the takedowns, but there was one other thing he told me, Rashad. If I don't have a to- reason to get off of plan A, why am I ever going to introduce plan B? And you may have nailed something talking about the top of this division. You got your Covingtons, you got your Usmans. I mean, this is wrestling city. Uh, Whether this guy's stand-up truly is on the elite level and on the up-and-up, as he says now, for a fight-win streak since moving up to 170, uh, he may never have to actually show it, right? I mean, this is the right division for him right now in terms of the grapplers around him. What do you think separates him, though, specifically when you're getting the ideas of matching his wrestling against those two names I mentioned?
1: Well, I think I think it's his transitions in the grappling positions, his, his, his transitional grappling IQ I think is one of the best in the weight class. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't want to say too much like Damian Maya, but it's, it's Damian Maya esque you know what I'm saying? Being able to just be so efficient in those grappling transitions. And I think that's one thing that he offers differently than the guys, you know, top in the, in the top weight class. Um, I mean, you have Gilbert Burns, who who is you know a, a great grappler and has some great transitions. But I think the way that Michael Chiesa just puts that pressure on is more like Habib, you know. So I think he definitely has a um, a, a good you know a good stake for, to, to to argue that you know he's one of the toughest guys at, in a grappling standpoint for the weight class. But at the same time. If he's going to be able to really hold weight with those guys at at the top five, he's going to have to work on a stand-up because when you can't get those guys down to the ground, it's going to be a stand-up battle. We've seen that with Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington. Both guys can grapple. Both guys were pretty good, but when it came down to their fight, it was all about stand-up. So if Michael Kies is going to really make a break in the top five, he's going to really have to round out his stand-up skills a little bit more.
0: Yeah, it's it's one thing for me to say what I kind of did. Maybe he can hide those skills, but you made a great point. When they cancel out, like in Covington and uh, Usman, good God, you got to rely on the hands. Uh, I do like his confidence, though. Uh, Quickly on Neil Magny, look, um, I didn't give him a ton of respect coming in. Not as as a fighter, respect. As a dad, respect, by the way. That (laughs) vignette they showed on the broadcast today nearly brought a tear to my eye. Love me some Neil Magny. I just thought, even though this was his opportunity to prove for the first time in his career that he's more elite than sort of a middle-class guy in this division, my fear for him was he's not spectacular enough, right? He can give you a tough out and surprise you. He can upset somebody by relying on his game plan, but in a really big fight, does he have that next-level area to raise his game Despite that little window in the third round when he took Kies's back, and you got to give Mike the Mav credit for never panicking, never really turned into too much danger. I just didn't see enough of Magni when we needed to see more. Uh, does this, in the end, just sort of tell us that he is who we thought he was?
1: Yeah, and and, and I and I hate to say it like that, and I and I, I mean you, you put it really well, but but the truth of the matter here, here's the reality: like when you, you're going. Against the guys at the top of the weight class, you know, there's usually one skill set that they have that they can lean on when, when they're going against the upper guy, the, the tougher guys in weight class, that they may be able to edge those guys at. You know, they may be may, may it be stand up, or may it be just a, a grappling submission, or whatever the case may be. They have some kind of a cornerstone of their game that they can implement on all the tough guys in weight class, and it may work. You just don't see that from Neil Magny. He's really good all over the place, but he just doesn't have that one dominating tool that that he really needs to be that guy to to get him out of those situations that, that you've seen him with with Michael Chiesa. You know, if he had a little bit more power, if he had a little bit more umph in his takedowns or whatever the case may be, it, we may be talking about a different different fight altogether. But at the end of the day, we're not. And, and the truth of the matter is, he just doesn't have you know those things to to really. Bring them to that next level when it comes to you know uh, pushing in that top five. You know maybe it's something that you know he can work on, but for the most part he, he's 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 got to have it. You either have it or you don't right now.
0: Yeah, you either have it or you don't, right? You know, I'm I'm, I'm a pale guy. I can't get tan. I try. Stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work for me on that regard. All right, I want to talk about what's next for Kiesa in this division, and I have two questions that border on the areas that people hate when we do it right here, Rashad, which is to take politics and take sports and intersect them like a gross <laughs> night. At a cheap bag <laughs> motel, right? But we yeah. do that on here, okay? No, this isn't gonna be Luke Thomas clutching pearls. But uh, you know, true or false, did uh the UFC kind of program against the damn induction uh ceremony here with uh <laughs> Bi- Biden Harris with the timing of this card?
1: I mean, I was feeling it i was I was kind of feeling it was a little bit of a, a presidential snub, but I didn't want to say that I don't want to be all too conspiracy theory, but I mean it just it just kind of seemed like it was kind of at an odd time, but uh you know, I was able to watch both just in case anything popped off with the whole inauguration thing but uh it 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 was, it was good you know it was it was a good Wednesday card, and those guys delivered on the main event
0: yeah before I transition to the second question, I do want to say I mean. It was badass to wake up in the morning, have breakfast, and and it just turned out that this undercard uh, was a was bad. I mean, it was fireworks all the time. Some names we're gonna get into in a second, but I was fully caffeinated. I was full. I was ready, and uh, I I could use this schedule too. But my second political question covers around what Kiesa said afterwards. He was ready oh. for a call out. He said, "Look, <laughs> the election's over, Colby Covington. Your shtick no longer matters. Let's do it. Let's get in the cage." I love the aggressiveness. Do you like this matchup? Do you think it's the direction UFC can go? Do you like Kiesa's chances should they make this fight?
1: I like the matchup and I like the fact that he's calling out that matchup because honestly speaking, that's a really hard matchup for him because it goes right into the grounds in which I was just speaking, you know? It goes right into the grounds where he's going to go in there with a guy who he's going to have to be better with at the skill he wants to dominate in. And the fact that he's a grappler, he's going to have to dominate one of the best grappler wrestlers in the division at Colby Covington, who has a work rate, who does not get tired at all, and on the feet, he's relentless on the feet as well too. So that is a call out that um, it it, it, it just shows where his confidence at, but if he's gonna be able to really make uh, something manifests out of that call out and really brings something to the table in that fight. He's got to work on his ones and twos, being able to tell a story with his hands and with his feet, being able to really mix it up. And, and listen, he doesn't necessarily have to be the better striker to beat Kobe Covington, but what he can do is he can frustrate him, hit him, clinch him up real good, make sure that uh, Kobe's getting frustrated. And at that point, once the frustration seeps in, then everything is made easier. But he has to bring Kobe be to that point
0: and I think in Kiesa's favor when you move forward I don't know if he has what it takes to get over that hill and become a champion I I once pitched to Luke do you see Kiesa sort of topping out as one day having fought for a title but never won one you know the jury's still out on that but one thing he does have though is uh he has an out right he's a submission game he can submit these guys uh and, and you know possibly on the elite level here um you love the wrestling you love the the way his body has adjusted to the new weight class, which turns out to be the right weight class to him, Four and zero. We'll see what he can do next. I'd love me some Covington. Let's not forget, Kiesa also has history with Mosby Although he mm. lost that fight uh, by submission, uh, he had some good moments on the feet in that one back in the day, Rashad. Right. So yeah, you know, I mean,
1: was- he he has some options and some interesting matchups as well. I mean, he's he and here's another thing. He, he's a big guy for one seventy. You know, Michael Kiesa walks around and and he he's a pretty big guy. So you know, the fact that he's fighting in a weight class that that he is closer to his natural weight class, it just shows in his performances. You know, he's been looking great, his muscle has been looking great, he's been fighting his game that he wants to fight from beginning to end and that really shows in a fighter when they're fighting in a weight class when they can fight their fight from the beginning to the end without showing that fatigue that usually happens from cutting so much weight
0: and he may be the only mma fighter who has tattoos that aren't offensive or uh cringy looking <laughs> so uh he's doing well right there rashad i think you and i are the only guys associated with this damn sport who aren't all inked up right maybe it's not fair of the three needles i don't know if we ever if we ever talked uh uh, surgery before but three needle it was a harrowing experience. You don't want to hear that story. Uh, Rashad, will you ever will you ever crack? Will you ever get, you know I, I was thinking maybe sugar over the pelvis. Maybe?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh like a little trap snap you're saying, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, you know, uh I thought about getting a tattoo, but I mean at this point I'm forty one years old and I just yeah what's the point? I mean it's almost it's That's almost over for me anyways. It. It's almost over. You know?
0: All right. Uh there's no real <laughs> subhead to this card nobody really i mean in some ways made a dominant b story statement but there's a lot of sort of things we almost need to talk about maybe in rapid fashion but rashad as you look up and down this card i'll give you the first stab at it uh who do you think outside of the main event wins the mvp on this one because there were names i didn't know about coming in but you better know now after some of these performances
1: you know, honestly, I, I kind of like Worley Al- Al- Alvarez in, in, in that last fight, you know, the Coleman event. I thought that, you know, it, it was a fight because it, it meant something. You know, he's coming back into action and, uh, you know, he's got a window over Kobe Cunnington. And it kind of fits right into the story of, of where um, Michael Kies is going. He's in an upward trajectory. But then you have, you know, Worley Al- Alvarez come in that situation and he looks very dominant and, and, and just, you know, very... Uh, efficient with that body kick and he holds the win over Colby and Covington. So that that also goes to show, you know, what what could he do with a couple more fights and a few more reps, being healthy and everything like that. So I was impressed with that. You know, very efficient win by Ed Worley. Yeah,
0: first round stoppage of Lazay who was coming in looking good. Um afterwards Worley uh he he got a little little ballsy. I kinda liked it. Um I didn't couldn't tell with the language difference in <laughs> the tone exactly what he was really trying to say. I heard Nate uh i'm gonna guess it was diaz it sounded more like nate uh did you gay (laughs) did you gay no no forget jesus i don't know where he was going with that but uh i will tell you if he's calling out nate diaz and if he's doing it in a you know i'm the real come find me i'm here for that
1: dude come on i mean i mean listen i want to see diaz fight you know i mean you know he he's He's one of my favorite guys to watch fight because he watching him is pure entertainment from the moment he signs a contract to the moment he actually fights, and even afterwards, because you never know what's gonna come out of his mouth. He just keeps it super real and he fights like crazy, you know. So, but, w- but one thing is, I think his inactivity is hurting him more than anything. You know, he's in the prime of his career right now, and he has to really seize that opportunity. I think he's gonna be maybe tough like this for another one, two years, and then after that, he's gonna you're gonna start to see a decline. But right now, I mean, he's got to strike while the iron's hot, you know. Now that they just made it so that you can you can burn one and not get caught by by Usada, (laughs) Ah. he should be he should be ready to go. Like there should be no reason for him not to be fighting every weekend. (laughs) We could have been hanging
0: out years ago, right? I mean,
1: listen, where's this been all of our careers, right? Come on, I'm telling you, man, everything changes now. I mean, like you know, good for those guys. I'm happy for them. I'm happy.
0: I uh, love the light, the walk-off knockout for light heavyweight Isaac Villanueva, which seemed oh. to come, as he said in the, what what did he say, ninth inning, with some reference to basically if he didn't win, he was going to lose his Seven. job. Big-time uh, knockout there uh, over uh, Vinicius Moreira. I mean, I will I will butcher everyone's name, so don't worry about that. I don't want to linger on that, though, Rashad. Can I just give you my MVP here? Second fight of the night, and that's why this undercard was so friggin' magical uh, for a season there. I mean, it was just like, damn, umar namaga his older cousin habib in his corner he's a bantamweight if you didn't watch his uh second round destruction of sergey morozov who came in fired up in shape ready to go you could tell he was a tough out rashad what else could umar Namagametov had done to impress us besides uh you know sing a song afterwards here's a guy who they were saying on the broadcast he's a little bit more zabit than he is habib meaning he's a striker his stand-up is fantastic I was more impressed by his wrestling, his motor, his transitions, and then the fact that he put his opponent to sleep when it came down to it. Uh, I don't want to put the rocket pack on too many guys right now because there's, there's a few Hamzats and, and, uh, and P- Kevin Hollins in the air right now, but uh, this guy, uh, I'm rock hard with emotion right now, as
1: J.K. would say. I mean, he is everything that is great about Dagestan. I mean, these guys that come here are just absolutely phenomenal and and. The, the training ground in which those guys train under is it, just a who's who, and, and if you can make it out of that training ground, then you're gonna be somebody. Just even making out the practice room, you know what I'm saying? I watch these guys train, and they just train for hours and just going and just repetition after repetition and just never get tired, always just dedicated to training themselves and you see the results, you know? Great transitions, great grappling, all of it just seems to tie together and just a poetry and just a flow. You watch these guys like Zabit and and Hamza and those guys, the way they move, the, 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 the storytelling of the fight from the way that they set up their strikes to all of it is such a beautiful art. It, it's almost, you know, it, it, it brings such a beauty to the violence of the sport.
0: Yeah, but look at Habib doing some translating afterwards. That was a shocker, too. That. <laughs> if you're D.C., you got to put the mic over and be like, hey, while we're here, uh, Habib, we all know you're not coming back and Dana's lying, so can you out him already? I mean, what the hell's going on here? But, uh, yeah, I don't want to put any kind of uh, carp before the horse, but uh, this guy, the younger Nurmagomedov, uh, welcome to the Bantamweight division where it's all killer, no filler, only when you look at his body. I mean, it, good God. I mean, the guy is ripped. You look at the intensity, the motor, the, the – oh, God. I mean – I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for his next fight right now. But, Rashad, I wasn't even able to really, uh, you know, finish my erection on that fight because lightweights Mike Davis and Mason Jones came out next. Through two rounds, I thought I was watching the fight of the year. Rashad, great matchmaking. Two lightweights looking to make a massive statement. Mason Jones was coming over from cage fighting, had set, shown, uh, you know, uh, a confidence in himself. I was starting to get nervous because this was so competitive, so action-packed, so awesome that whoever lost this was going to never be the same from it because they let it all hang out, Rashad. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, it was a be- beautiful fight, and, that- and that's what you want to see. You want to see guys go in there and just lay it all on the line, especially when you have a big opportunity to fight on a card in Abu Dhabi, and you're getting an opportunity to really fight on the stage like the UFC. I mean, for a lot of these guys that come into the UFC and just finally get the chance to fight in the UFC, and just the whole professionalism along the way, and then they finally get to fight in the cage is such a reward, and to see those guys go out there and lay down the line. I mean, it, it, it's everything that that the UFC is about. This is what makes the UFC different than every other sport. Is the simple fact that you you know these guys on the prelims and every guy it, it is the fight to watch. You can't come and watch a UFC fight late and only think that you, you, you didn't miss anything because you, you probably did miss something because the preliminary fights are most of the time better than the main event fights.
0: Yeah, hey, hey, Dana, take notice of what we just said here, okay? <laughs> rules, all right. Stop putting people on the show in your videos. Uh, uh, Lu- I'm sorry, Luke. Good God, Rashad Evans. Uh, let me speak with royalty here. Uh, I didn't know a ton about either guy coming in. Should I have known about Mike Davis? This guy looks like an absolute stud because you could tell Mason Jones was delivering early the kind of shots that previous opponents uh, didn't get up from. And this guy, Mike Jones, just or Mike Davis, just keep coming, man.
1: No, I didn't know much about these guys either, and that was that was a biggest surprise to me to go ahead and see these guys deliver like that and fight the way that they did. I mean, you, I mean, you you can't you can't ask for nothing better than that. But I mean, uh, now I know, and now I'll make sure to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, knowing is half the battle. There, um, can we also lather? It all over, Manon, Fiorot, the women's flyweight in the opening bout that uh, used Victoria Leonardo as target practice. I'm not here to say creepy stuff, no ooh-la-la, no sneaky anything. How about sneaky awesome as a striker? Where's this chick been all of our lives, Rashad?
1: Super smooth, super slick. I mean, this is the kind of striking that takes you to the next level, and especially in a weight class like this. I mean, this is this is what it's all about. These are This is, this is the kind of thing that makes me excited to see, you know, how she can grow and what she can do against the, the 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 toughest of the toughest in the weight class, and you already know who I'm talking about, man. Because this is what we need. We need strikers we who can go in there and deliver some. Who, who can definitely be like, wow, she's got something to bring, and definitely can contend with Shevchenko in the striking area. You know, so I'm, I'm happy for it. I, I love to see get to. I love to see new talent get birth. That's going to give these champions that are just running away and has such, such a huge gap, maybe a little bit of run and maybe something to worry about. I
0: feel like uh you know this is really the the benefit if there is one of of UFC pushing forward and uh fighting through the quarantine as aggressive as they did I mean it is as Michael Chiesa said on our show last week it's the era of opportunity I feel like there's more young hot studs at the moment or potential studs we're going to have to find out than I ever remember before I mean I think maybe it's just if You know, if you you stay in shape and you stay by the phone and you're a badass and you go for finishes and go after Dana's heart uh, and you're willing to fly during COVID, I mean, you could become something quickly. And a lot of people doing that. Uh, This flyweight, Sue Madaragi, I'm going to butcher this. All I know is he calls himself the Tibetan Eagle. How about that tall, long-ass flyweight there? Loved what he did against uh, Zaruk Adeshev. Same thing with Omari Akhmedov. Different situation, different weight class. But, you know, stock a little bit down coming out of that Chris Weidman loss. And he put it on Tom Breeze, a great boxer, submitted him, took him down. Even Vivian Adorugio, as Cormier would say, Ad- Adoraggio, uh turned Roxy Matafari into hamburger meat. I-, I got so many good things to say about this show, Rashad.
1: I know, it it was it was a great card, you know. I mean I I, I, I um I'm a, I'm a Roxanne fan, so I, I hate to see Roxanne get beat. You know, Roxanne is one of those girls who just, uh, one of those fighters who just kind of, she grew on me, man. You know, she was not the most skilled, but she's like one of the, the hardest workers. You know, she definitely earned her spot in, in the roster, and she was definitely getting a lot of trajectory and in in, in going up and, and winning some fights. But, I mean, she ran against a killer today. That girl was tough, mm. tough. Uh, Beater and beat her, beat her You know it's bad when you get beat in the area where you're where where you're looking for safety. You know what I'm saying? When you get dominated on the ground, where you were like, "Man, I'm if I get her to the ground, she's in trouble." But then you're on the ground, and you're just like, "Man, this is you get no wins anywhere." You know what? I'm saying? That's when that's when the the sails get just like just taken right out of the, the right right out of your sail. The wind gets taken right out of your sails. You're just like, you know what? What can I do against this person?
0: Yeah, and, and, to, and to Roxy's credit, she was tough as nails, never stopped trying, she had a couple moments on the ground there, but uh, uh, big big day for breakout performances, so shout out to everything we saw there in Abu Dhabi, uh, we are just a few days away, of course, from the third of these three cards, UFC 257, we're going to get to your picks later in the show, but Rashad, on a 1-10, to 10, because, you know, we're, we're, we're journalists, right? You know, we're journalists, I think. I think we're journalists right here. I mean, mean, some people think we're entertainers. I like to think a little more like we're artists. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but uh, I will say that we're also fans, Rashad. And uh, I sort of had my, you know, check moment this morning. I woke up to do a little CBS Sports HQ with Luke Thomas. As we're sort of setting the stage, I'm just like, holy crap. You know, we, we put up with a lot of crap fights, uh, 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 but you know, this is why you lift them weights in the off season. Bill Parcells for moments like this, we get Connor and Dustin Chandler and hooker. you like, are you kidding me? I mean, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, uh, you're, you're, you uh, fan level right now. You, you got a hard on from here to Hanover. Where are you at,
1: man? I got a phoner. I got, I got myself a phoner, man. I can't listen. I've been, I've been excited about this fight for the last two weeks since we talked about it last. And, um, you know, it's just something about a Conor McGregor fight that just kind of just brings such a uh, excitement. You know, it's such a um, it's such a old school excitement because back in the day, like we used to get up for fights. You know, because there's so much anticipation. You know, so much build up before the fight. But it seems like. When Conor McGregor's fighting, no matter how many fights are scheduled before him, you're always counting down to when Conor McGregor fights. And here we are; it's on Saturday, and it's gonna be—I mean, it's it's gonna be exciting, man. It's gonna be one of those fights because, you know, I mean, Conor's gonna come to bring. He's talking about having a performance of a lifetime. But then you have Dustin Poirier, who's just been on a tear. I mean, this ain't
0: cowboy. No disrespect here. This is a real ass fight, and I don't think you can oversay what you just did because and I, about what Connor does to um, to the whole business and and some people say, you know oh you know I always use this like oh, you American journalist, you guys just want to suck off Connor because he's white and he's blah 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 and you overrate him and blah blah you know dude, this guy brings like an insane amount of life to the sport like covering a Connor fight in Vegas Rashad have you been to Vegas during a Connor fight?
1: Oh yeah, yeah it's, several it's times. There's,
0: dude there's nothing there's just nothing like it. first guy who made weigh-ins, press conferences, public workouts events that were legitimately more exciting than a lot of fights, Rashad. And, like, you know, I don't care if you love or hate him, right? I I don't care if you only want him back so the sport can be healthy. Um, The guy, like, no one, like, Lesnar came close, Rousey came close. No one's been able to give this type of feel to the sport. So, as we know, Rashad, with that long break, you know, came back a couple times, but that long extended four-and-a-half-year break really, uh, you never knew if he was going to come back and get back in line and try to be a real fighter again. I think that fact is what excites me the most, that this ain't, you know, Diego Sanchez that he's fighting or even Nate Diaz for a third time, which would be great. He's getting back in line for the title. I love it. I love
1: it. I, I, love, I love it too, man. And, and like you're saying, you know, the, the best thing, I, what I like about Conor is the fact that, you know, he he makes people believe, you know, he, he puts such a belief out there because he fights with so much belief. He believes so much in himself that, you know, he, he makes believing, like, yeah, I, I believe too. You know, he makes each and every single one. of am like, you know what, I, I, I can do it. He, he makes, because it's like um, watching him go out there and just set these astronomical goals. You're just like, dude, you're absolutely crazy. There's no way you're going to beat Jose Elder, You're about to get slept. And then he <laughs> goes out there and knocks him out in 20 seconds. And he just like... What, you know, it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem right. But then you keep watching this guy and he keeps on showing and proving, you know, becoming the first, you know, double champ and all those different things that he's manifested and he said, you know, after a while as a fan, you start to be like, yo, this dude, he he's, he's on to something, you know, his belief in himself, it's infectious. You know what I'm saying? You just want to be like, can he do it again?
0: I think that's why when there were comparisons to Muhammad Ali at the peak of his 2016 run, it wasn't, you know, sacrilegious because, uh, you know, he doesn't have the, the, the cultural effect that Ali had. But it's the whole idea of just making you believe that no matter what, he can do it mixed with the way to sell himself. Uh, yeah, big weekend coming up. But before we get to that weekend, before we put you on the spot, Rashad, and get your picks, we're going to put you in the damn hot seat right now. Ooh. A new segment we have called, uh, I don't know, The Wheel of Torture, The Wheel okay. of Death, Spin the Black Circle. Let me give you the preface here, Rashad. We got 10 categories. You are going to spin the wheel five times and you must answer no matter oh. what the question reads. I'm sorry, that's the game. The pressure is on you. It was created because Luke Thomas can be. Look, look, look we respect Luke Rashad, right? But the guy could get his panties in the bunches, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, come on. So, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I don't, you know, no. Rashad's going to face you here. Do we have any intro animation here? Am I missing anything? should i read the categories before we go to the spin all right thank you gaff Gaff producing today no j it's a no j wednesday believe that uh here are your 10 categories rashad for the wheel of death this week um and here we go number one leaky pipes sticks and stones butt stuff carried over from last week the tracks of my tears stump the sugar money never sleeps Iwana Yoana. Oh, hey. Wow. Wow. I mean, don't, you know, wow. Uh, Puke Thomas, Boo Boo Wild Thing. Wow. Shout out to John on that one. And City Cockboxing. Rashad, can you mm. step up, please, here and spin the damn wheel? All yes. right. Let's hit the animation.
1: How I spin his wheel.
0: There you ah. go. There it is. All right. Hey. You. Yeah. Ah, you get what you get in this game. Sticks and stones is the category. Here we go, Rashad. Hey, Rashad, whether staged for promotion or fueled by dislike, trash talk between fighters remains a seductive draw for fans ahead of a big fight. Be honest with us here, because you always do. What was the one thing that was said to you or about you by an opponent during your UFC career that, like, legitimately hurt you or affected you the most?
1: hmm Oh man, let me think here. You
0: were a part of some of the juiciest rivalries. Let me remind you. In okay, UFC okay, history. Okay. John I'm, Jones. I'm gonna be
1: honest. I'm gonna be Clinton, honest. The one, the one, the, the one that got me, that hurt me the most was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was the uh, the rampage, the, the stanky leg, Machida. Oh, <laughs> that killed me. That killed me. You know why? Because I was fresh off that knockout. It was, it was still in my soul. Like I couldn't even watch the video yet. And then he hit me with the, with with the, with the, the. the, the, I appreciate the honesty here. Yeah, that, that one hurt. That one hurt because it it was funny. You know what I'm saying? Like it was funny. And then, yeah, that that, that one kind of hurt a little bit. I love it. I
0: love it. He's honest. Uh, Just so everyone knows, Rashad doesn't know the questions that are coming. Uh, Here we go. Let's spin the wheel. Let's find out. It's a random draw. Oh hey Rashad, you get what you get. Tracks of my tears. You're getting personal and introspective with one Rashad Evans today. Rashad, straight up. What has been the biggest regret of your professional fighting career?
1: Oh man. Let's
0: put you on the couch here, okay?
1: Okay. Oh man, this is tough. Um the biggest regret of my professional career. Uh I feel like when I look back on my career, I felt like I allowed myself at one point to get so caught up in the politics of the game and the whole like, me not liking Dana and the feud that I had with Dana at one point and not getting a fight that I felt like I really deserved. And I felt like I just, now looking back, I should've just kept fighting and kept fighting and just kept fighting because um, having, now sitting here, being like, man, I, I, I wanted to have more fights, you know, I missed the opportunity. I missed the time. You know what I'm saying? And I think that was probably the the biggest, one, one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest mistakes. And also I, I made a lot of mistakes in the John Jones camp that just kind of, that stuck with me, man. I feel like, um, during that camp, my whole camp just kind of got out of control and I didn't do my best to, to reel it in. You know, I allowed, I tried to, uh, I tried to be too nice, you know. Tried to be too nice and didn't and didn't make some executive decisions that I need to.
0: And this was the first camp away from Jacksons, correct? After the first,
1: Jackson? yeah, first camp away from Jacksons. Uh, really, the first big fight with the Black Zillions, um, and and that right there was a lot for our growing team, who really hadn't settled at the time with the hierarchy of who was going to be coach and you know who's who's uh, direction I was going to go under and all those different things. And it kind of got into a little, uh, a weird back and forth kind of beef with, uh, Henry Hooft and my, my, my coach, uh, Mike Renarsdale.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Appreciate the insight there. You mentioned, um, looking back on maybe being too caught up in the business. Was there like a turning point for you when you figured out the business? Because there's no playbook for a fighter coming in, right?
1: You know, I, I, I figured it out. Like, you know, I figured out that, you know, uh, what what I figured out was was just just fight, man, just fight because I can never win an argument with Danny White, even if I'm right, I I can't. You can never win an argument with Danny White. You know what I'm saying? He's he's holding the keys. He's holding. He's, that, that's where I wanted to go, right? So I wanted to be champion of UFC, and um, I would just allow myself to just get so caught up in things that. He would say off the cuff in an interview and be like, oh, man, Dana White shouldn't say that or whatever case may be and just start reacting to it. And then, you know, I'll get goaded into these 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 fights with Dana. And I'm just and for what? You know, silly.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Well done right there. All right, Rashad. We head back to the wheel. So I was looking down for a second. Luke Thomas texting me ass barf. I mean, you know, this is really going to delay (laughs) your own show. That you helped build for for this these hijinks. People think I'm the uh, sophomoric a-hole of this duo. Uh, let's hit the wheel for spin three of five. Here we go. Half of America was hoping for butt stuff there, Rashad. You get stump the sugar. It is trivia time Uh in these parts, Rashad. Uh, Here we go. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock on my phone. Rashad, all right. There have been 22 former UFC champions. I'm talking full champions, not interim champions, that are currently still active and on the UFC roster. 22. That's an error on uh, on the lower third there. Um, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Can you name 10 of the 22 active UFC fighters who are former UFC champions? Go.
1: Ooh, former UFC champions active. Uh, are they current champions or just no? Just only only the, the ones that used to be champions? You, former champions. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, you said former. Okay, I'm just trying to stall for some time. All right, uh, Jose Aldo's one. Yes. Um, uh, Cody Garbrandt is two. Yes. Um uh let's see. Oh my gosh. Um 30 seconds Rashad. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. You don't have to say 30 seconds. Uh Jeez. Um 185. Oh my gosh. Um what? Max Holloway,
0: 3.
1: 3. Uh so oh. 15 oh. seconds. Okay. Um Oh, man. Uh... Dang. I...
0: Uh, I... Oh, Rashad, it was, a, it was an effort. I'm not going to say good effort. Three yeah, out yeah, of yeah. ten. Okay. Uh, 23. There were actually, you, you named Cody Garbrandt, which is actually correct. There's 23 ex-UFC fighters that were active. You could have hit us with something as ridiculous as Nico Montano. Right. Right. There's GDR. There's Arlovsky. It's a wild mix. Oh, yeah. John Jones, you know, Chris Weidman, you know, I know it's 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 meant to
1: put you on the John Jones, Chris Weidman. I forgot about these guys. All right.
0: All right. Rashad, two chances to redeem yourself on the wheel. Here we go.
1: Rashad, fight week, which means uh,
0: big bucks for the UFC, big pay-per-view buys to come. But if UFC fighters were stocks and you were betting on the next five years of the sport, Rashad, who do you think is the UFC's second most valuable commodity under roster besides Conor McGregor when you're looking at stocks rising and falling over the next five years?
1: It has to be the style bender. Style benders that guy to me. I think that um, what he can do at the 185 division and then going up to the 205 division. But I mean, his ability overall, his his likability, his, um, you know, he's able to communicate with his next generation and uh, he fights like hell. I mean, he's one of the toughest guys out there right now. And I mean, I think he's 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 the guy.
0: That's a great that's a great question because I don't think he's even begun to tap into his true commercial prime window and you know if he can get a John Jones fight if he can win the light heavyweight championship heck he's right now in play maybe along with Connor maybe Cejudo as the as the guy who's who has a chance to get the first shot at being a three division champion potentially so it's uh that's certainly a strong pick of potential sort of brands that, that, that have next behind Conor, um, you know John Jones never would have been wrong, but there was a ceiling to his drawing ability. Look, there's just it's a it's a small club, Rashad. You know like Anderson Silva and GSP were good long-term brands. That you know was, you know solid. You knew what you were gonna get. But there's really only been the the Connors, the Rouseys, the Lesners who are just you know.
1: Yeah, but Con- Connor's like almost on the league of his own though. Almost almost on the league of his own.
0: I mean, Rashad Evans uh, twice has been in the main event of pay-per-views that drew a million buys. I'm just saying, okay? So you are a guy who understands this, all right? I understand. All right. Uh, final spin of the wheel, Rashad. Look, you never know what you're going to get in this segment. could us get it. Entertaining get it. could be lame. Here we go. Come on, butt stuff. City Cockboxing. Rashad, as you may or may not know, <laughs> Luke Thomas, my cohort on this show, is the biggest fan of all things Eugene Berriman and the Thunder over there from Down Under at City Kickboxing. Uh, he loves it so much, sometimes we have fun with the name. Great fighters there, okay? In fact, you just mentioned a great fighter, Israel Adesanya. He's unbeaten, he's great. We all love him. No one loves him more than Luke, of course. But since Luke isn't here, Rashad, Let's look into the camera and be honest. Let's look into our crystal ball. Who will be the first fighter to hand Israel Adesanya a defeat inside the octagon, if you had to guess?
1: Mm. I don't think, I don't know. Well, if I was to say anyone, I would say Hamza Shemaev.
0: Whoa, whoa. At middleweight, are you saying?
1: Yeah, at middleweight.
0: Very interesting. If, now, if,
1: I, if I was... A, I mean... Looking at the skill set and, and and being able to... I mean, Hamzat's grappling and his ability to get guys down to the ground coupled with the stand-up is a problem. Is a problem. What I've seen him do at Couture's... I knew it was just training, but I've seen he has another level of skills that he's about to show and that that he can go. So... He's, he's my top, top guy to be like, he can upset some people, man. Wow,
0: I love that answer because I didn't see it coming. And, and it's not impossible in a lot of ways when you look at, we don't really know yet whether Adesanya is going to make it at light heavyweight or heavyweight in the UFC. He could go up and, and win it and not fight there again or win it in a dangerous fight and not want to stay there. And we also don't know how quickly, if Hamzat's as good as he looks, that he can become... A legitimate title contender and or champion and or superstar, so uh, that would be interesting if Chimaev became a brand quick, started making noise, said I'll go up to I'll go back up to middleweight and fight Izzy. Wow, wow, very interesting stuff there. Uh, John Jones could have been a good answer, but we don't really know Rashad. I don't know what the hell that fight would look like. I mean, I, I just I mean, I,
1: listen here, here, his I would have said John Jones, but that fight is not going to happen. It's not going to happen because j- you don't spend the amount of time that John Jones is is putting in to gain this kind of size just to cut weight to fight at 205. And Izzy's not going to be a heavyweight. So that fight is not going to happen.
0: All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see. We'll see what happens right there. Uh, Love speculating. Love me the fact that we got some big stars that may or may not be bumping into each other uh, in the near future. Man, uh, you know, no kissing ass to make goodwill. Uh, 2021 really has the potential to be a monster year if you're an MMA fan, if you're a UFC uh, stockholder, so to speak. Uh, grid transition to get into this weekend, Rashad. We talked about it earlier, UFC 257, of course. Your lightweight doubleheader atop the marquee. Um, I want to bring up something. I'm, I'm going to ask Luke about it later in the week when we do a bunch of shows, but I certainly want to get your take on it, that there's an elephant in the room for UFC 257 with these four lightweights because four of the top you know, five or six lightweights in the world are going to fight each other with no vacant no interim title on hand, which is very surprising. We all know of the supposed meeting with Dana and Habib. I don't say supposed because I know what happened. I saw the video. I just say supposed it about the content of what was actually said and taken place. Of course, Dana said, Habib's that maybe. Let me watch the fights this weekend. Let me see if somebody jumps out at me that I can come back and do 30-0 and against Uh, Rashad, I don't know if you saw, but in the last 24 hours, Habib did give an interview in Russian to a Russian reporter at the hotel. If you don't know, Habib cornered his cousin today. He's going to get on a flight and go to Vegas. He's not going to be there this weekend in Abu Dhabi, but he gave the interview. It was a little bit cryptic, but let me sum up what was actually said. Habib said... I don't have the hunger or fire to get back in the cage. He straight up said it. He said, there's no reason to believe I'm going to come back in, you know, into the UFC in short notice. And he specifically said, uh, my, mo- my mother is the most precious thing I have left in my life. Why would you put me in a position to try to disappoint her? Now, the reason why I say, Rashad, this interview was kind of cryptic because he never specifically said Dana's lying, Dana was wrong. And he never specifically said, there's no chance I'm going to come back. But he said, at least right now, he has absolutely no hunger. How do you read this whole entire situation? Because knee jerk, I want to be like, Dana, you just got caught lying to try to gain buys for Saturday night. Do you think Habib's going to sit in front of that TV and actually go, All right, somebody, impress me. Give me a reason.
1: Um,. Listening to what you just said about him not wanting to diss his mother, disappoint his mother, and the fact that you know his mother is all he has left, and knowing how I, I feel that uh, he feels about his family and, and his word as a man, I think there's not not a chance in hell. But I also think that there's a side of him that the competitive side to him that might entertain it, might entertain it, and and uh, if enough zeros come in the equation motivation can come quick, you know what I'm saying? Like right now, I'm not motivated to fight anybody. I have no motivation to fight anybody. But, if you say, hey Sha, we got a cool meal for you, I'm like, hey, I wanna fight now, you know what I'm saying? Now I wanna (laughs) fight. So, money changes everything. Money changes the conversation, and who knows what uh, Habib's price point is. And, and, you know, honestly speaking, it may not even be about a financial price point with Habib. It may be about just, you know, walking off with that 30 and zero, but going from what you originally said how you started off i just don't feel that he, he would uh do anything to to make his mother feel like he he went against his word to her
0: yeah i tend to be more on your side than luke's of the idea that there is a price and maybe the connor fight is the only fight that could get to that price and not because i believe nurmagomedov is motivated by money per se but you know, he talked in this short interview also about his own MMA promotion and all the things he wants to do for that. So maybe there's something on the inside of that meeting that had to do with helping uh, Habib's organization. I mean, who knows? Who knows what level Dana would go to to try to make this happen? One thing I will never put... One thing I will never underscore, Rashad, even though I believe more in Habib's conviction than I do the odds of, of this rematch happening... There are very, very few times you're a promoter and you have a lottery ticket the size of Conor Habib, too, in your pocket. And if Conor does win on Saturday, uh, look, they're going to go full force, meaning UFC, to sit Habib down and say, dude, what do you need? If it's not money, what is it, right? What the hell do you need? Because how often do you have a fight where you're like, it could not only break the pay-per-view record, 2.4 million buys for the first Conor Habib, but Rashad, if done right, meaning if Conor's coming into the rematch Fresh off of stopping Dustin Poirier, this is maybe the only true MMA fight, not including a Dan Paul brother, that can go three million. I mean, it's 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 in play.
1: I I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, it, it would be it would be epic to say the least. But I mean, it's like, do you remember that lead up for the last fight? It was bananas. It was. It was it was anxiety filled. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever those two interacted, my heart was racing. Like the fight was gonna pop off at any time. It was just one of those lead ups to the fight that is just epic. And um, imagine again, imagine what it would be like again. I'm sure that Connor would be a little bit more tactful as far as the things that he said because he has matured and and, and you know seemed to have changed a lot his approach when it comes to just talking trash and what he, what he's doing. About how he's amping up the fight, so he's changed in that respect. But at the same time, with the blood so hot between him and Habib, I don't know if he'll be able to resist just saying something things that's going to just push the envelope of Habib. <laughs>
0: and even if it was cordial, the, the build to the second fight and was a dud from that WWE you know standpoint. I mean, you know, you're not going to get a dolly through a window this time around to really start you know the the coals burning, and. It is true that sequels don't tend to outdraw the original fight in, in big fights. And also, you know, movies, sequels are typically never as big or as good as the first one. But I just think, you know, Habib's brand has grown so much because of that Conor McGregor fight, because of the fight afterwards. And then, again, if Conor's reborn, I mean, you're talking... There, again, there's no, there's no ceiling. There's no limit. I don't feel like we're going to see it. Uh, once I saw that Habib interview, I'm just like, I'm back on the, you know... Easy Dana. but again, again, until Habib's doing an interview in English in which he's pointedly asked a question and he gives you a direct answer, it's really tough to know whatever the hell they talked about. But let's talk about, Rashad, what we do have this weekend. Uh, You and I, a couple weeks back, filmed an early preview, looked at the storylines, looked at the mindsets, looked at everything we could do from every single friggin' angle for Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Part 2. We know they fought in 2014 first round stoppage for Connor. I don't want you to tell me how much Dustin's grown. We know all that. Let's talk about this damn fight when they touch gloves. Is it as simple as we sometimes say about fights? If it ends in the first round, you got to go Connor. If it goes after that, who knows? If it goes to round 3, you got to love Poirier the rest of the way. Is it that simple or not?
1: I think so when when it comes to this fight because I mean, well, you know what let me take that back because connor mcgregor has has shown the ability to to not fade out like how he was i think we're kind of all left with that impression in our minds that connor that fades out in the nick diaz fight and those you know those, those fights but you know he's he's shown in the fight with with habib that, um, you know, he, he did get dominated, but one of his best rounds was a third round after being taken down repeatedly and being dominated. And to go out there and have a great round against Habib after you just been mauled for the last two rounds is, is a big deal, you know? It shows that he, he's definitely fixed some things in a gas tank area, you know? But he's going against a guy who, who, who fights in a phone booth, who loves to brawl, who's able to tap into that other guy to bring out that mentality that it takes to go down the stretch and, and, and really trust that you're going to come out the other end of those 50-50 exchanges when both guys are swinging and a, the first guy lands a punch. I mean, it, it takes a certain mindset to do what Dustin Poirier has been able to do, been been doing lately. and. Um, it it it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how is Conor McGregor going to be able to handle that kind of a fight? I mean, we know that he has the the fight ending power in the left hand, but what happens to that left hand after it gets a little bit tired from grappling and and all the things that I think that Dustin Poirier should come out and do? You know, if I was Dustin Poirier and I was being his coach, the first thing I would tell Dustin is listen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to grapple with, with uh Connor as much as we can. Get him to trying to get those the, the, the lactic acid out of that that in, in in that arm. And that would mess up his power and that'd mess up his accuracy. And when you look at that left hand, it it's all about accuracy and power. So grappling early can definitely take a little bit of steam off that left hand and then make the fight uh, make the punches I guess more bearable as the fight go on for um for, for Dustin Poirier, who does get hit, you know, that's another thing. He does get hit.
0: Yeah, he does get hit. I mean, that's why it's in play that, you know, a, a refurbished uh, version of Conor that's fired up in the best shape possible, uh, adding new tricks that, that it's in play. He could get a 1st round stoppage. You know, is it likely? I, I mean, I don't know. You know, it, it, that's certainly something we have to find out. But Dustin Poirier can be hurt. Finished is maybe another story, but he certainly can be hurt. So it's out there, it's in play. Uh, one thing I did see: Connor had a great interview, I thought, with Aaron Bronstetter of TSN a couple days ago. Some real poignant angled questions, and Connor basically said, "Look, uh, everything talking about Poirier's evolution since the first fight, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a plus because of the experience, and he's fought. You know, we know he fought a murderer's row of guys." But Rashad, he was in a ton of wars. I mean, a ton of wars in the last six years. And one thing McGregor said was, you know, how much are those wars going to help him at this point in this big fight? I've been not only adding things, you know, there's not a lot of tape out there of what Conor McGregor's been up to lately. So do you see that as a plus for Conor at all, when we would normally say that that's a negative, that he's been out of the cage for so long?
1: I think it's definitely a plus for, for Conor. I mean, you know the the, the murders row that uh dustin Poirier went through it w- was just phenomenal and and those fights you know taking on you know a, a mega puncher and, and striker and um and, and uh justin Gaethje. i mean the, the justin Gaethje, for me he hits the hardest in the weight class you know what i'm saying and and dustin beat him beat him you know so it it, it shows that he's not Totally, like he can't—he uh, can take a big shot, and he can't take a shot from a big puncher. But then you start adding the fact that, okay, well, he had a really tough fight with Max Holloway, and then he also had a great tough t- t- fight with Dan Hooker, and that adds up after a while, man. Your your chin can only take so much before it just starts to just 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 not allow your body to do it, you know. And that, and that's the thing about it—it's not even something that you can mentally do yourself. It's like when that button is pressed, it's pressed, and you don't even know if those battles, even though he didn't get knocked out, if that button has been hit. Um, one thing I have liked about the fact that Dustin, even in those wars, he took some time off, and, and, and the time off that he took off, took off was because he was injured, but that allowed his body to heal. That allowed his his his, his faculties to come back and, and his beard to come back stronger as far as being able to take a hit. You know, you're not in there sparring and things like that, so those are the kind of things that makes me think that He can still take a hit and he can uh, still uh, hang in there with some of the big punchers, but Conor McGregor's power is different and he's proven that time and time again. All
0: right, you know what is different, Rashad? Your ability to pick fights. If people haven't followed what you and I did before the the morning combat took over on the State of Combat podcast or followed you on CBS Sports HQ where where our friend Hakeem Dermish has dubbed you Mystic Shad for the accuracy. Rashad, your picks... Uh, you know, look, everyone's gonna miss and per people can always find a miss, but there's actually fans that DM me one did today. Hey, is there any chance you could reach out to Rashad and find <laughs> out who he likes in the Magni fight? Because I'd love to bet it. So that let's just know that coming in. Uh William Hill, our friends there. Right now I have McGregor minus three thirty-three as the favorite, plus two fifty for Poirier. Before I get your actual pick, a couple of my friends on the CBS sports staff are good guy. Brandon Wise was looking at the odds real close. Lot of money if you can get McGregor by decision, like plus six hundred in that area. Uh, is that in play in this fight? Do you believe?
1: I don't think so, man. I don't. I don't think so. I think that um, you know, if, if he McGregor is going to come out and he's going to be looking like the McGregor that that can you know be a world stopper, then he's going to be the McGregor that gets a finish.
0: All right, you heard that from the Mystic One. Now it's time for your pick, Rashad. Uh, no one cares about my pick. This is about you, the Hall of Famer. Put it on
1: the line. Connor, Dustin, two. Who wins? When? Why? How? As much as I want to pick, as much as I want to pick Dustin Poirier, I, I just, I just can't. I just feel like um, Connor, man. He's, he's got, he's got the power, that that power in a left hand and accuracy. You know, I feel like um, the way he controls the range, and the way he keeps people at the end of that left hand, and how smooth and how straight it comes out, and how 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 it hits. I think that's a big problem. I think that's a big problem for for Dustin, who sometimes has to get hit a couple times to just wake up and be like, oh, okay, I'm in this, you know? I feel like you take too many of those shots from Connor, you, you're not taking too many shots at all after that, you know? And, that, and that's just the truth of the matter. So I like this fight within the first three rounds for Connor.
0: Love it. Wow. Wow. Big, big, uh, big stakes, big opportunity for both. You got to believe it's a, it's an old... Uh... I wanted to say it's a guarantee whoever wins that fights for the damn UFC title, but you don't want to say guarantee when Habib's kind of out there and, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Rashad, uh, we all want to hit this Coleman event as well. I mean, look, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler, this could be your fight of the year. I mean, this is going to be 15 minutes if it goes that long. of hell. I mean, I can't wait because they're both action heroes. Uh, how much, though, do you think either Chandler's wrestling or Hooker's size And maybe technical advantage will play a role in this.
1: I think Hooker's side is going to be a big problem in this fight. I think that um, Hooker's ranginess and also Hooker's ability to keep the fight standing. I mean, Hooker is a striker, but let's be honest, Hooker can wrestle too. You know, Hooker can wrestle and he can keep the fight where he wants to. So I think that this fight is, is going to be a very difficult fight for Michael Chandler. I mean, you know, fighting the taller guys... I feel like it's going to be a little bit tougher for Chandler, especially the ones who's so proficient and smooth at striking, as as Dan Hooker, man. I think that getting in the UFC also, I think with with coming over to the UFC, this is a whole new ball of wax for him. Everything has been totally different. There's so much anticipation, and and guys who who normally come in from the Bellator, there there is like a little bit of a. a um, a slow start or just kind of like, oh, you know, they don't jump right in. You know what I'm saying? Especially going against a guy in Dan Hooker who's been, who's been on a row. You know, he, he lost his last fight against uh, Dustin Poirier, but that, I mean, in that fight, it, it was one of those fights where he's like, do we really have to pick a winner? Cause both of these guys fought such an amazing fight. And and Dan, Dan Hooker is fighting at that, that, that level right now. You know, when I watched him fight and, and, um, in New Zealand, you just seen him come to life in a different kind of way, and really just own that spotlight, and really have a sense of belief and who he could be in the future as far as being champion. So I think that in this fight, I'm gonna go Hangman Hooker.
0: All right, it's minus 125 for Hooker as a very slight favorite. Chandler, a plus 100 dog. Do you have a method of victory here?
1: Um, I think it's I think it's gonna be a decision. I think it's gonna be a hard fought decision. I think that. Um, when it comes down to it, I think that Hooker's just going to be able to, uh, to be able to keep, keep Chandler on the outside and, and you know Hooker, uh, Chandler's going to want to come in and lay those big bombs, but I think that the, the kicking and, and, and just the knees up the middle is going to really uh, really stifle a lot of the game that Michael Chandler does.
0: Yeah, best opportunity for a hooker here since Heidi Fleiss's Hollywood turn in the '90s. Rashad, uh, is there anyone else you like on this card? I don't want to preview anything else, but I do love me some Amanda Hibas. That's a tough ass fight with Marina Rodriguez. Any other but one fighter you're looking at that feels good on this one?
1: Who do we got? Who do we got? Who do we got? Um, it's not who... the best
0: undercard. You got Jessica I, JoJo Calderwood. It's almost even money there. Uh, you know, it kind of you know it kind of slips down from there. It's kind of. It's kind of top heavy, but I love it just the same.
1: Uh, who, who, I'm trying. To, I don't have the card in front of me, man. I'm, I'm name, name me some names. I'm not looking at the card right now. Let me. Brad see.
0: Tavares and Carlos Junior squaring off. Matt Frivola
1: and uh, Azatir. I mean, it's it's round tree. Uh, you against- know, I, one of my favorite guys to watch is the Steamroller Frivola. <laughs> Yeah, I love Fravola, man. I love I love watching watching the Steamroller fight, man. Uh, that's going to be a good fight. I think that the Joanne Calderwood fight is going to be a great fight against Jessica I. Both of those girls were in position to be the. Uh, I mean, Jessica I had a chance to fight, and she's trying to make her way back to that championship level. And Joanne Calderwood missed it after she lost uh, her opportunity from a fight that she took. So it'll it, be good to see Joanne Calderwood see if she can seize another opportunity to get back into the winning square to actually get a chance to fight Shevchenko again. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going to be a great card all around.
0: She lost her, uh, she lost her ticket to the title there. Jennifer Maya took that away from her, so we'll check that out. But uh, Hebis is rising, Rashad. I'm, lo- I'm, I mean, look, this is a great fight, but uh, she's gonna be, she's gonna be in that title picture soon. All right. She's coming. She's coming. She's dad, coming. you see the dad get the tattoo on the inside of his arm of his daughter? That was bad. No, badass. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Oh man, uh, Luke of course made fun of it for a half hour because he's <laughs> the best tattoo artist throughout. All right, we love ourselves some Luke Thomas. If you love what we do at Morning Combat, please like this video, subscribe because this week's going to be killer. Luke and I in the same area, same building, same hotel. We're gonna be going back to the bomb shelter. Breaking news: thought we were headed to Mohegan. We're gonna reconvene in the bomb shelter this weekend. You're going to check us out hosting the Showtime Championship Boxing weigh-in on Friday. We're going to have plenty of, fo- of bonus content. Friday's live Morning Combat episode is going to move a little bit toward the afternoon, maybe like a 1 o'clock start time. But uh, Luke and I will be all over CBS Sports HQ. Please send in your questions for room, service, diaries. The way to do that is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Give us a review. Click the five star. Say something nice. Put your question in there. We'll read it on the show. Uh, Rashad, I don't know if that's the, the smartest format to drink and then do a podcast. But, nah, you, you, know, might,
1: you, might, you might end up saying something that you might regret later I on. I mean, the people it.
0: seem to like it, though. You know? I mean, you know, hopefully hope <laughs> Japanese MMA doesn't come after me again from this, uh, misunderstanding there. Uh, the man you're looking at right there is the great Rashad evans the sugar man you can follow him at sugar rashad evans on all things uh do we have a, a social media oh there we go there it is you you know you ask you get it back all right so follow that man you know i don't know if his dms are open don't slide in no, no stick <laughs> pics nothing like that uh head on over again to store.show.com get your morning combat merch you want to be looking good like uh bill and jen out there in the rv in the west coast right look there they bought some more merch okay Get some of yourself. Uh, Showtime.com for a free 30-day trial. Why not? Right? Why Why the fuck? Why not? Why not? You know why not? What I mean, you don't like it. You know, you can you can pound sand in Luke's front yard. Rashad, let, let's, you know, one final question here. What's Luke that? Thomas is a 41-year-old male, somewhat of an upstanding, you know, citizen in the city of Washington. The guy works out in his freaking front yard. How weird is that, Rashad? He lives in a city and he works out in his front yard.
1: What, what has he got, like, uh, uh, weights and He's got, like, and everything a squat
0: rack and, like, all this, like, ropes and random stuff. Like, come on, right? That's, like, you know, that's, yeah.
1: He's, uh, yeah. What that's like Rocky type style, you yeah, know. He want to,
0: you know, go in the backyard, get a gym, do something. You know? <laughs> yeah, a,
1: yeah, all right. I bet he goes out, you know, picks up the morning paper with the boxers with the with the opening in the front. You you know you know, you know what he's doing while he's doing it in the front yard, so everybody knows in the neighborhood not who not to mess with. That's what that's oh, what that is. That's, that's, that's advertising.
0: That's a fair point. He may be smarter than we think he is. All I'm right? telling yeah. you. I'm telling
1: you. All I'm them games
0: you. are are definitely uh, loyal. Uh, that's the show for this week. Special thanks, Rashad, to you. For sitting in. Hopefully, people can cash out at the window with your bets. Um, anything to promote? Anything good coming up for you, Rashad?
1: Nah not much. BC, I just want to say thank you. It's been good hanging out and going tip to tip with you, buddy. It's been wow. great going tip to wow. tip with
0: yeah. you. Well, uh, yeah, that's how we that's how we do it. At least in theory. Never in person, though. Never in person. Uh, that's the Sugar Man, Rashad Evans. My name is Brian Campbell. Special thanks, Showtime, CBS Sports and Malka. Luke Thomas will be back. We got so much content coming your way. Until then. May all of your ex-lovers be satisfied. This is your boy, BC, with two words. Tell him, Rashad. We out.